Let's go. What's going on, people? Welcome back to Bingetown TV. This is Luke here. And for this episode of the podcast, we had the chance to sit down with one of the gods of Fillory himself, Dominic Burgess, who plays Ember on Sci-Fi's The Magicians. What a random way we ended up booking this interview, but you'll have to listen to hear the details of that full story. Dominic was a blast to talk to, and we even found a lot of non-The Magician's common ground to geek out on together. So let us know what you think of the conversation with the Fillory icon himself, Dominic Burgess. Look at that handsome man. (laughs) Hey. Hello. Hello. Oh my gosh, there's so many people. Hi. (laughs) Hi. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Wow, that voice is pumping me up. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Oh my God, I can see it so much in his face. What an iconic voice. Oh, thank you. I'll take it. Uh, forgive my mustache. I'm. Ju- I just recorded an audition that was didn't. I didn't need a mustache, but I was like, ah, this could. This could use a mustache. <laughs> the, mustache the mustache was a, an He's inspired choice. <laughs> so, how you been, man? How has uh, the last you know year plus been? This weird COVID time. Gosh, uh, you know it. Knock on wood. I feel. I feel terrible. Um, you know, being like, oh, I've had a great year, but I, I knock on wood, have been very busy and very fortunate. And um, Dr. Death took up six months over winter. Uh, and then I just popped to Puerto Rico for a couple of weeks for Fantasy Island and then was in Colombia for a little bit. And I'm recording a, an audio book and have some other things sort of rolling along and, and pre-prep for... Uh, a feature film that I want to direct. So things have been good. Um, I, I've been very conscious about uh, staying indoors and socially distancing. So I've I've sort of kept busy on my own, I guess. Mm-hmm. Wow, happy to hear that. Where are you right now? Where? Are you, yeah, where are you right, right now? I'm um, I'm in Los Angeles. This is home. Oh, nice. I just became an American citizen in April. Wow! wow congrats. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. No, quick question. Do you go by Dominic or do you go by Dom? Either or. Okay. I'll respond to both. Right. Usually I'm Dominic if I'm in trouble with my parents. Then <laughs> it'll be like, Dominic? Um, but otherwise, Dom is fine. Dom is you're, not, you're not in trouble with us today, yeah. so we'll call okay, you Dom. Great. Hell no. Hell no. So the big first question, I guess, since we'll talk about magicians for a little while. Are you a magicians fan? Have you seen the show? I, I am. Okay. Yeah. We yeah, I um, I I didn't see any of it um, before I did that first episode because none of none of it had aired before I went to to do the end of season one, and then because I was I was a fan of of Buffy and X Files and Angel and and all that sort of fantasy genre stuff beforehand, and so I was like, yeah, I'll check this out, uh, and then I fell in love with them. I was like, oh, this is a fun show. This is a great show to be a part of. So that brings up a question I have is how was the character of Ember pitched to you on the casting call? Like when you were thinking about going for this show, what was the character description? Did they give you much or did they just say like horny God Ram of (laughs) of magical land? Gosh, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the breakdown was. I, think I remember saying that it required prosthetics and that he was a god and that he was pretty flamboyant and out there. And it might have said that he had sex with nymphs or everything. <laughs> um, I think I still have 
Uh, it, it was a self tape. It wasn't some. Mm. I think I was working in New Orleans at the time, and so I had to put myself on tape. And I think my self tape is still up on Vimeo. And at that time, rather than just a mustache, I had a a huge beard that kept growing and growing because I would book a role. And then they'd be like, oh, my gosh, yeah, keep the beard, keep the beard. And it kept growing and growing and growing. So in that first season, Ember's beard is my own beard. And then in subsequent seasons, uh, I was clean shaven and they were lace beards. Um, Yeah, yeah. let let me jump in on that because I actually did get a chance to watch it on Vimeo. And it's it's funny because it it starts off where you're saying I'm 6'5 and I'm happy with prosthetics. So you did, <laughs> but I mean, the tape is phenomenal. The audition is literally Ember. It doesn't seem like they changed anything while you were actually acting on set. It, it was the scene where they meet you and it was perfect right from the start. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember if, you know, sometimes you, you get hired on something and, you know, you prepare all your lines and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm set. And then it, on Sunday night at 11 o'clock, you get an email that's like, surprise, here's your new lines. Uh, see you at 5 a.m. Um, but for this, thankfully, they did not. <laughs> it was it was a great to watch. Yeah. Sorry, Luke, jump so, in. I think this would be a good time to give the audience a little background to how we actually came about this interview. So, Kathleen, if you want to give that story. Yeah, of course. So I always try and make Jimmy weird cakes for his birthday. So this year, since we're <laughs> so obsessed with the magicians and Benchtown covered season five, I was like, have you brought me little cakes? And, uh, <laughs> and I made little cupcakes and put like little magician stickers, little bunny stickers. And then I put, have you brought me little cakes on it for his birthday? And then you do individual cakes because now i've seen like people will do cupcakes but they'll put like a spread across all of them so to look at it looks like one big cake and then sort of people take the cupcakes from underneath and they're individual cakes no i did like so you could see them separately so they were yeah (laughs) and each individual cupcake had its own decoration and it was good i loved it (laughs) oh nice good 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 yeah, that and of course so we put that uh, picture up on social media, and Dom here liked it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the rest is history. So we that's how we got shot. here. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to ask a question about the audition process, but Jimmy answered it because the quirkiness and eccentricity of Ember is absolutely perfection. I need now. I need to go on Vimeo and watch that because I'm it, glad it's that the same. That. It's so good. I'm glad that they probably. Yeah, I think watched I remember. Sometimes when I audition, I'll be like, oh, I'll dress like kind of appropriate to the character. And I was like, I don't know what a Ram dress is like. Um, <laughs> but I think I just had uh, a, like a pink shirt and I just it left like it sort of unbuttoned yeah. mm-hmm. um, with the cuffs undone. So it was kind of flowy and <laughs> frilly. Um, but I remember it being a fun audition. And I think I might be lying. I might be lying so much maybe they had another audition for me a few episodes beforehand that I couldn't do because I was filming out of town or doing something and the dates wouldn't have worked out. And then Ember came along maybe a little bit later. Wow. I could have been someone else. No, that oh was, man. That was absolutely meant to be. Yeah. So totally meant to be. Let me ask you a question about the makeup and costuming and prosthetics. How long were you in your, the makeup trailer for, for each episode? <laughs> A long time. Um, <laughs> about five and a half hours. Wow. 
It's wow. Um, I think on Instagram there might be a, a time lapse video somewhere, but it's it's a long process, especially after that first season when the the facial hair wasn't my own because then they'd have to glue all that stuff on as well. So they tried a couple of things. I I flew up to Vancouver and they were trying <laughs> just to put the horns <laughs> on a bald cap but the horns were too heavy and it would make the latex tear uh, around the crown of my head. So they had to glue my hair down and then they would put a helmet. They would glue a helmet to my head with two metal studs in that could hold the horns. Then the latex piece came from my nose up around my forehead and flopped over with a hairpiece on. (laughs) The ears were separate pieces and then they would glue extra hair down. Um, and then the legs were sort of foam trousers with stilettos that had the heel cut away. So it would give that ram shape. Uh, and I'm a big guy, I'm six, five and I'm 300 pounds and being on the balls of my feet all day, like in stilettos without the heels, uh, oh boy. Um, yeah, but it was a long, it was a long process. And then they had to glue sort of the the hair from the the goat legs onto my stomach and then they would do the the makeup and make sure that the latex piece matched my skin tone and then they would stir up coffee grounds and put coffee on me uh (laughs) so ember actually smells of coffee on set oh my god wow (laughs) nothing like walking on the balls of your feet all day and then having to somehow get out of all that that's why i have the staff um if i didn't have that staff to walk around with oh boy i think uh nico who who plays umba had an easier time because he's he's like six five but probably maybe 200 pounds he's sort of really lanky and skinny and he and also um because he was the smart ram and he wore clothes um it was a quicker process for him because Mm -hmm. his pants were easier to conceal and his yeah good old nico (laughs) good for him he also got to be human for a little while too he did he did they were talking to me as well about that they were uh sarah gamble was saying like you know we considered uh for the last season maybe having your apparition be human and then we didn't (laughs) we wanted to make it a little bit easier on you with the makeup but then we didn't (laughs) we didn't but they gave me kittens which was Almost. Oh, the kittens. Yeah. (laughs) Much better. That's a perfect transition into my question here is when I was looking into the credits that you get as Ember for the magicians, it blew my mind that you are technically only in five episodes. I agree. A a voiceover in another episode or two, but like just appearance wise, you're only in five episodes. And that the reason it's so crazy to think about that is because Ember does so many things that just there's there's just a huge butterfly effect of what's going on in the magician's universe. So mm-hmm. I guess my question to you is when they pitched this to you, were you expecting to be in it more or was there kind of just like a short-sighted season-by-season view of how many episodes Ember was going to be in? Uh, no. Oh, boy. This is a good question. Let open this can of worms. It's not a can of worms. Um, the tea. Let me... Uh, yeah. Kathleen loves tea. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, tea. I, I mean, so to answer your question, I feel like uh, as an actor, I'm... Uh, I guess what you would call a, a journeyman actor. I'm a guest star actor that will sort of jump from project to project. And I'm not really financially in any kind of position for someone to pitch me something and for me to go, 
Huh, let me think about that. It's mm-hmm. especially at that time, you know, five, six years ago, it was like, I've got an audition, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> now, now I'm, I have a little bit more leeway if an audition comes in to be able to say, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, but I mean, I, I would have done it anyway, um, because the material was so fun. And so I did that first episode. And things moved pretty fast. I think I, I think I booked it, and then I think it was in New Orleans. And within a couple of days, I was in Vancouver doing the prosthetic fitting and getting the molds done. And then I think two weeks after that, we were on set and we were shooting, and it was just one day. And then I read the books. I read the novels. And then in my ego head, I was like, ha ha, he's in the books until the very end. And he becomes, and Quentin becomes a dragon and they fight and this will be fun. And what a fun ride. Um, and then they were like, oh no, we're killing you in season two. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. You can, you can do that. So yeah, you know, I get, I, again, as, as a guest star actor, sometimes uh, I feel like you don't have the liberty to ask like hey so what's going to happen to my character because uh, sometimes creators and writers are very guarded about spoilers and they don't want anything getting out um so i didn't know i was dying until maybe two weeks before i flew up to to do that episode where quentin stabs me um and then you know i was like Okay, I'm dead. Uh, I die in so many of my shows. Um, <laughs> and then I, I had the call maybe 18 months later to, to say, hey, they want you back for the season four premiere. So I was like, okay, that's nice. They, they killed me, but they, they still care. Um, <laughs> so yeah, a bit of, bit of a mix of stuff there. I feel like I went on a tangent on that yeah, answer. That's yeah, that's great. Your yeah, appearances really are always epic. So we're glad they brought you back. I mean, Ember's death dominoed into one of the best seasons of television of all time. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, Where I had nothing to do with it, but you're welcome. Magic was lost because you were killed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, your your appearances in four and five, you five was the pickles, right? Yeah, five yeah. was pickles. Five that was, was an iconic scene. Too. <laughs> five was pickles. I have a feeling that by that point, they weren't sure if they were going to get picked up for another season. Mm-hmm. And so the writers were like, well, let's bring back our favorites before the end. Um, because I, I feel like I, I had a conversation um, with Chris Fisher about that. Someone was mentioning it. They were like, well, it's going to be on the the mm-hmm. fence and we're not sure. Um, but I was glad to, to come back again. That was like a real fun, fun day. Yeah. I mean, we love that, too. It was a nice, nice surprise, I feel like. For, for you to come back in season five. And I'm still thinking about the fact that he was only in five episodes. That's yeah. crazy. My mind. Because when we talk about the magicians, why we love the show so much is that there's so many amazing characters and they all work so well together. So for you to make that impact in five episodes with like an all-star cast like this is a nice little... I think also it, it's something... Uh... Something that happens on Always uh, Sunny in Philadelphia as well. I, I did one episode of Always Sunny. Psycho Pete. But, yeah. But <laughs> and because, we're from Philly, so. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> um, but because the characters had sort of been talking about him for a couple of seasons before mm-hmm. he appeared, I feel like it sort of worms its way into people's psyche. And I think with the, the same thing with the magicians, because they're looking for Ember's tomb for a little while, and then they're mentioning him in other episodes so he sort of looms large over things even though he's not a part of things i guess yeah the lore just kind of builds on itself but it's just 
when I think of the magicians, you're one of the first characters I think of just because you're synonymous with Fillory, which is half of the show and a huge part of why it's so magical and everybody loves it. But the fact that you own two titles of two different season finales <laughs> yeah. in the season one, episode 13, it's Have You Brought Me Little Cakes? And then season two, episode <laughs> 13, We Have Brought You Little Cakes. So <laughs> yeah. two of those episodes that I'm mean, in. I think also so much of the imagery is there right from the beginning, you know, with the clock, with the rams. And um, I think it just, it, it just seeps in. And I think they mention him even in the first episode, I think uh, Quinn's mentioning him with Julia when he's talking about the books and the gods of Fillory. And um, so, yeah, he, he sort of just looms, looms out there. I mean, even Lev Grossman's books, people g- went into the show loving the books. So, of course, you're a character in the books as well. So they're just waiting for you to show up. So that's another good, good. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I heard you say that you did read the books, um, the source material by Lev himself. And that's one of the biggest difference I had in my head when I was reading through them is just how they portray Ember in the show versus him being pretty much an actual ram in the books mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's just such a huge difference and it's great because i kind of think of you before i think of the ram now because of how sure. how your performance was so it's kind of <laughs> like Lev yeah. took it over yeah i think um i think also so much of that comes down to, to television budget as well if it was going to be you know three feature films uh then they might have been able to afford you know like let's have a, a talking ram and wow. double it in size and um, cause I remember reading, I can't remember which book it was, um, that he's sort of on a mountain, he's on a mountain pass and he's sort of clambering up a mountain. I was like, I have no idea how they're going to do that. Um, <laughs> and then was there a discussion? I don't remember if there was a phone call. It might've been a discussion with the special effects house with masters effects who, who did all the, the prosthetics. When I went up to do the first episode of the second season i have a feeling that then they were like hey so you got a twin and we don't know if you're gonna play both of them or if Mm. we need to hire another actor um if it's gonna be you in both roles it's gonna be easier on us because we have the mold of your head and we have everything that fits you already and then we just make a different version of you with a clean latex piece and we give you a shirt and pants but then it's gonna take longer to film because we have to shoot all your stuff and then we have to clean you and then we have to reverse the shots and then we have to have someone standing in with a horn and frame. So um, they were talking about that, I think. But then I think very quickly uh, they found Nico, who I knew from an acting class already. Nice. That would have been very interesting if they had you playing both roles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they, you know, they do it with Star Trek and Data and Lore. And, and mm-hmm. it's it's one of those tropes that they do with the Buffy bot and Buffy. And I'll just all that this, geeky one, stuff. Uh, this one out here. Are you more like Ember or Umber in real life? I feel like I know the <laughs> answer after talking to you for like 15 minutes, but. Boy, bit of A, bit of B. Okay. Bit of B. I, um. <laughs> Uh, my my boyfriend will he won't murder me he knows he knows how i operate um i i don't like to plan things very much like if we go on vacation i'm like let's just see what happens and let's just like take things as they come and explore and do whatever we want but the underside of me is like things like my blu-ray collection is alphabetized <laughs> and in order and uh books and and everything then i'm kind of organized with stuff but everything else i'm kind of like yeah 
<laughs> that is it's definitely good. a bit of A, a bit of B because yeah, it's good to have both. Blu-ray is pretty crazy. There's a lot of Blu-rays behind you. No, I yeah, I used to work um, at a store called HMV in in England for uh, three years after I graduated from drama school, and oh boy, we got fifty percent on everything, even things that were on sale. So I picked up DVDs and stuff that I didn't even really want, but I was like, but it's one pound fifty. That's the collection. With so many DVDs back home, and then I restarted my collection uh, maybe eight years ago now. Once I started working regularly, see that's cool. The only issue is the like DVD players, Blu-ray players are so feel so obsolete now. You have to like be very no. deliberate with. Uh, <laughs> no, I no. hate that too. I hate that too. But do you know how? I'll I'll tell you how how much of an umber I am. Should I? I might get in trouble. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'll tell you what I'm doing. This is very, this is a little I just don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble with, with Disney. Um, <laughs> so because I'm a collector, so like I got my Marvel films up here. Amazing. Love it. Love it. But Marvel were like, we're not going to release the TV shows on Blu-ray. And then a bit of my soul dies. And so <laughs> then I go crazy and I make my own Blu-ray covers and my oh, own wow. DVDs. That's incredible. So that's that awesome. I know that they're in my collection. So that's my real umber side. That's my wow. that's really that's cool though. I like that. Anal um I used to do the same thing with um Buffy and X-Files and Star Trek uh back home in England. I would you know, press record and then pause it when the commercial breaks came on and then press record again. And then I would make my own VHS covers and tapes and I love like that. a crazy person. No, I consider pa- passionate nerdum. That's what it is. I, we awesome. love it. You're talking to the right people here. Yeah. <laughs> are you, you are make you... the covers? I'm sorry, Jimmy, but how do you no, make no problem. Covers? So what's it? What? How do you make the covers? Um, I have uh, an art package. I was, uh, I did a short film a couple of years ago uh, called Sam did it. And I wanted to make Blu-ray covers. And I found this uh, template on, Online. And then there are there are other people like me out there in the world who are like, hey, you've got this artwork for WandaVision. And so I would like copy and paste and then that's awesome. Just that's send awesome. it to a facility to print and just yeah. Are you are you caught up in all of your uh uh MCU stuff? I sure am. We, we're covering it on the podcast. Luke, Kyle. Well, actually, we have three other members of the pod, and okay. and we act and we have the other two cover it with me. So Luke, Kat, Kyle, and Kathleen, hold your ears for a second because they're not <laughs> caught up. Technically, with Loki and what if you were on Agents of Shield, and everyone's talking about the multiverse, you're canon. Um, you're canon now. Oh boy, <laughs> I want to. I want to be you're a one, different kind of canon. Yeah, I, right. I, I called <laughs> my manager and was okay. like, "Man, if they're looking for a Ben Grimm, or if they're <laughs> oh, looking for be a awesome. beast." I would love to. I would love to be a beast or Ben Grimm, uh, but I imagine they'll go with with big, big, big names. Um, but yeah, I, I I would love to be. You're a god of fillery. That's that. a big name. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you have experience with prosthetics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Six Which, five, um, you're already big. You don't need any any tricks of the camera or anything like that. Hey. Yeah, listen up, Marvel. <laughs> right, we'll give them a call after this. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing though. I love the DVD covers. Let's yeah. talk about let's talk about quickly back to the magician. So mm-hmm. Luke was remembering uh you kind of giving a voiceover and talking about because one of the points of contention, as you've seen the show, is uh Quentin giving a vial of his blood to a witch, and then it never goes mm-hmm. anywhere. But in your voiceover, you say, Don't worry, we'll get back to that. But I'm sure um, it would have come back later. I mean, they they killed him all, spoiler alert. So, like, I don't know how that would have come back. Who knows? Um, 
But I just watched a video on YouTube for the first time trying to find which episode that voiceover is in. We couldn't find it. But the video on YouTube is actually incredible with like canon stuff that they do not say in episodes. Like how... how Ember was controlling things behind the scenes and domino affecting same. I've said that twice already today, but domino effect of things that happen in the show. But we didn't know that Ember himself was controlling it behind the scenes, which is so freaking cool. I think if I'm remembering rightly, or, oh man, because I remember doing the table read and I think it's like an eight minute monologue. Um, and then I remember doing it at the table read and getting into the booth and they'd already made that sequence. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to talk really fast and everything became like, oh my yeah. gosh. Um, but we did it. We we did it. Uh, I think it was at the end of season two, but I don't think that voiceover opening made it onto the Blu-rays or the DVDs. So I think it only existed on the Ed episodes on sci-fi. I think mm. you're right, because I was looking earlier on the Netflix, every, every episode that you were uh, credited mm-hmm. for, and I couldn't find it. But then when you search it on youtube it comes up right away and it's it's literally incredible you are hilarious in it there's just (laughs) there is actual canon information that's dropped in it that i didn't remember and i guess we as a podcast haven't really talked about but like there's something Uh that you say in that that connects the dots in the background and it literally enhances the first two seasons significantly in my opinion and i'm just mind blown that we didn't really deep dive this earlier but i just love that it's three minutes of you being hilarious just having good knowledge you know wait is it three minutes oh man it feels like I felt like I was in that booth forever. They may have shortened it, maybe, but it's like around three and a half. But I watched it work today and I was like texting the boys. I was like, I have chills. This is the best video I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, good, good, good. But uh, I do want to say, because Kathleen mentioned at the beginning of that uh, introduction, but one of the things that I always cling to, and this was a big theory conversation starter since season two happened, and it was about the Quentin giving his blood to the Candy Witch. And we recently talked to Olivia Taylor Dudley, who plays Alice, for those listening, and she couldn't give me an explanation of what the showrunners were thinking with that. So can you just lie to me and tell me something? (laughs) I guess. And I, especially, especially when you're a, a guest star actor and you, you just pop in and out. I never, like, I would have seen the scripts for episode four and episode 13. Mm-hmm. And then I would never have information on any other script. And so when we went in for table reads, I would always be like, is there anything I need to know that what is going on leading up to this point? And everyone would be like, ah, you don't need to know. Um, <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. Um, so, no, I have, and because I think that was the first episode of season two, right? Where he yeah. goes to the Candy Witch. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the very first scene mm-hmm. yep oh that's what they released at comic-con or something yes um no i have no idea mm. i have no mm. idea that video would have been a perfect comic-con video like the summer leading into season three san diego comic-con that would have been uh-huh. phenomenal i they didn't show that at the new york comic-con that i went to but that makes sense that they showed that at san diego because that is so good it's a perfect and just to you know the best line of it is right towards the end you get a nice picture of josh on the throne in fillory and you have ember's voiceover saying just sit back with a nice pipe of marijuana (laughs) 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 so good we we also listened to it right before this and just were Uh giggling at it and then you popped up and we were like oh (laughs) here it is (laughs) okay we can't finish this um episode without talking about the least the essence scene (laughs) 
one of the greatest. And even even though you're not in the scene where Alice like slugs it, I mean that whole sequence is just quintessential magician. So funny. You played it so well. Your your opening scene was incredible. Have you brought me little cakes? And they're just like, no. <laughs> I that that scene because I, I was in makeup for five and a half six hours and then I think they brought me in really early I think I was in at 3 a.m to be ready on set at 9 a.m and start filming at 10 or, or whatever we were doing um and because it was a pretty I mean not long scene but um maybe five six pages um so I was like okay it's gonna be we're gonna be there for 10 hours and they shot it out so fat they were so efficient on that first day they they had i think three cameras pointing up at the throne of different sizes a close-up a medium and a wide and then they did the reverse um on quinton and julia and i feel like we were there for two hours and they were like you're done go home bye (laughs) um so so fast and i don't think oh no i think i did know i think i did know that olivia chugged it because i think we had read i think the last two episodes in wongo at, at the table read um and i think they were in vancouver at the time and i was in la doing the table read and i think there was a mass like <laughs> um when, when it happened that would have been pretty funny to just see that live like <laughs> oh wow that's uh that's mine <laughs> that's what i missed too you know it, it's funny you say like you would have liked to have seen that. I miss that stuff. I love uh, extra features on Blu-rays. I love DVD features, deleted scenes and outtakes and director's commentaries are my favorite things. Oh, they're so and good. I love seeing those those snippets of things. I miss that. Well, I mean, Always Sunny in Philadelphia has arguably the best blooper reels. So I'm sure you enjoy some of those. If you ever catch those on YouTube, they're incredible. Yeah. 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 That was a great experience. Sunny's a, again, I've been very lucky in, in the terms of everything that I worked on even uh agents of shield was was just one day and so fast but when i turned up on set they had switched directors for some reason and they were like hey so your director for the day is is roxanne biggs dawson and i was like oh i'm from star trek Voyager. (laughs) (laughs) um because i'm a big star trek guy and so that was i feel like i've been very lucky in terms of everything i've done so I, while we're on this page, I want to ask my last, probably not my, probably my last non-magicians question here. But speaking of other things that you had listed on your IMDb, you know, obviously the magicians, shields, the flash, Sony, the flash things we the talked flash. about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a huge fan of the leftovers, and I, I, I that was such a good show for three seasons, one and done. And also a fun one when we were younger is Teen Wolf. Um, I Teen know Wolf appeared in there, and we're die-hard fans <laughs> of J.R. Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> you know in the same you know shooting scene with him but i'm just it was just incredible to see that listed there and i had to bring up jr Bourne's name if i can so. <laughs> yeah gosh when when did i do teen wolf i feel like teen wolf was squeezed in between something else that i was doing and it was so fast and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to do it and then they were like it's going to be just a couple of hours and one morning we'll get you in we'll get you out and um i think i remember the actual filming of it was much longer than what ended up on mm-hmm. screen um, because we were walking through a couple of corridors and getting in there and then there was a build up for something it was it was longer on the page than it was on mm-hmm. which happens mm-hmm. all the time just an incredible resume yeah. of shows that resonate with our podcast yeah exactly awesome. exactly <laughs> is sci-fi fantasy genre what you want to continue doing moving forward or would you like to get into something different oh man i love it i love like i said i was i was brought up on buffy and x-files and twin peaks and star trek and 
I'm a, I'm a fan of those things and Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. I love Game of Thrones, all those, all those genre shows. Um, I know that, you know, they're going to reboot Battlestar Galactica and I've had multiple conversations with my manager to be like, let's get on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm do, I'm, I'm just happy a, to be working eight, in general. I was just gonna say we do have an eighth spot on this podcast if <laughs> you're ever looking for some extra fun work because it seems like every show you list it is something that we would love to talk about. <laughs> I'm so excited for Lord of the Rings, and they just released that one image, mm-hmm. and already I was like, oh my gosh, I have to listen to the soundtrack right now and just stare at this picture for three hours. Um, Are you I'm a wheel so of time fan by any chance? Wheel Am I? What's our Wheel of Time? Oh, I don't know Wheel of Time. Someone mentioned it to me. Uh, I think uh, an old friend from drama school, Sebastian, mentioned Wheel of Time and said that I should check that out. Um, I think it's. I, I'm, it's I would there. say it's the second high. I think it's the second highest fantasy book series sold of all time behind Lord of the Rings, and it's uh-huh. perfectly, you know, coming in after Game of Thrones to fill in that slot of just popular high fantasy. It's going to be competing with Lord of Rings, Lord of the Rings, and it's made by Amazon. So I think that's going to be one of the shows you're definitely going to. Oh, stop. it is. Is, huh? Yeah, and that's that's November. Yeah, I was gonna say pretty soon. I heard Lord yeah. of the Rings. They moved season two filming out of New Zealand. They did. Is that yeah? Sad? They're in New Zealand right now, and they just moved production to the UK, where someone is legal to work. Um, <laughs> Get that manager working saying. hard for you. <laughs> we'll, we'll do what we can on this side with our yeah. small following. Yeah. I feel like I've. Um, I mean, the second that I saw that the deadline article that it was moving to the UK, I just like flipped open my laptop and wrote a very civil email to my UK agents. It was like, <laughs> hey, I just saw this article. Wouldn't this be fun? <laughs> but, like, it, I would be so happy if you got me on that show. <laughs> I would oh be very gosh. appreciative. <laughs> Anything. I have a show in England. There's an old show. Uh, called Casualty. And it's not like a great show by any means. It's just that I've watched it since I was eight years old. And it's kind of like the UK's Grey's Anatomy. It's been running since like 1986. And Ooh. I still get the, the BritBox subscription on Amazon so that I can watch Casualty on a Saturday night. And that's my, <laughs> I told my agents, I was like, I don't, I don't care. I'll go, I'll go back and I'll do casualty. I'll go back and I'll do an episode of casualty. No wow. doubt. I hope that happens for you. That yeah, seems me like too. A yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> you are exactly the type of actor I envisioned myself being if I ever went down that life path where I, you just seem so like you have these ideas of what you want to do and you could just tell you're passionate about it. I just, I'm so happy that you were the one that we got that uh, decided to be Ember on the show because it's just yeah. great. It's great having fans of the material play in the show itself. Mm-hmm rather than mm-hmm. it being a job. Yeah, I, I, I love that too. When when actors care about the material and they they are, are a champion for their character and, and, and the show, um, I, I got to do Star Trek Picard. And I mean, I openly wept with joy when I was like, oh my God, I'm going to work with Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes is going to direct. And oh my gosh, Jerry Ryan's going to be there at seven of nine. And um, <laughs> on set, the first day on set, I, I remember I was crying and then the, the prosthetics people came up and they're like, are you okay? Are your contacts annoying you? And I was like, yeah, it's the contacts. It's <laughs> <laughs> totally the contacts. Yeah. It's funny because like on a lower scale, but still exciting for us. Like we started this podcast because we love TV and we get to talk to people like you who we're obsessed with. Like we laugh with your character every time we've seen it. All of us have seen The Magicians more <laughs> enough times, you know, mm-hmm. and it never gets old. It's amazing. We've talked to Rick Worthy. We talked to Olivia Taylor Dudley. It's just and everyone loves their character and fights for their character. Like you said, it's it's mm-hmm. such a 
it's so refreshing and it's so rewarding that we do this podcast and we get to talk to you guys and that's like you you're working with these actually incredible people yeah, and we feel the same with you guys we're like yes was, you get to talk to them i was so excited to to meet rick worthy because i had watched there's a there's a documentary called the guy who was in that thing um and if you don't know it it's um it, it interviews a bunch of guest star actors like actors that have never been sort of series regulars or broken out of anything and that the general public would sort of walk past you and be like, oh, is that, uh, that's that mm-hmm. guy? That's, oh, yeah, that's that guy. I don't know his name, but that's his, that's him. Yeah. Um, and Rick Worthy is on there. And when I moved to, I mean, still to this day, I don't have a car in, in LA. And I remember Rick Worthy was on this, this documentary and he's talking and he's like, you know, I, I didn't have a car and I was getting around on the buses and I was like, oh, this guy, <laughs> he knows. And yeah, the, the first knows. time I met Rick, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I love, I love this documentary. The guy's in the thing and the car story. And I, I, I get it with, with Simpatico. <laughs> he yeah. was amazing. That's amazing. He's yeah. the coolest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He has a great voice. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. He blew our mind. As soon as we got on, he does the, let's do some goddamn magic. And we're just like, oh, oh. <laughs> Very yeah. two iconic voices, yours and his. True. Yeah, exactly. Well, he oh, thank you. Changed his. I feel like you, your voice sounds exactly like Ember. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's pretty rare actually to. Well, actually, I'm gonna go <laughs> dig a hole. Um, <laughs> this isn't my native voice. I mean, this is how I talk now. I guess in general, um, my native accent is from a, a town called Stoke-on-Trent. So if I Skype with my parents or if I get a little tipsy, um, <laughs> then my native northern accent will come out and I'll speak to my parents and be like, hey, up, how's he going? How's the weather? It's all right. <laughs> um, and then this is, but I um, I don't often get a chance to just be my, have my regular voice on camera, it's always an American accent or some sort of accent, or if it's mm. uh, the good place, it's Australian or uh, Slovakian in Santa Clarita diet. It's, it's a whole mix of wow. stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'll always try and fight to to get a British accent in there if I can. Yeah, I was going to say really dumb anecdote, but I'm going to say it anyway. Have you seen Mayor of Easttown? Yeah. So they're from Delco. You know, uh, she ha- she had Kate Winslet was like, it was the hardest accent I've ever had. That's where we're from. That's Delco. where we're from. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh my so gosh. My voice kind of changed too. the A's. I don't say as Delco anymore after I went to college. But when I get drunk, my yeah. girlfriend always goes, there's the Delco girl. I'm like, <laughs> come on. What? <laughs> Well, yeah, one of our biggest things is we yeah. say water instead of water a yeah, lot of water. us. And right away when I went to out of college, when I went on my first business trip for work, I'm in Kansas City and I said, can I get a water, please? And the waitress is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, and man. now ever since then, I I do pretty much say water. Like I have changed it a lot, but it is it's funny how that works. Too. I have to change it uh, because I'll say, hey, I'll, I'll just have a glass of water. And then people will be like, oh, what? <laughs> like, what? And I worked uh, for my day job for five years when I first got to L.A. I worked at a movie theater called The Arclight. And um, we would have popcorn with fresh butter. (laughs) And I would always be like, do you want butter on your popcorn? And they'd be like, what? Do I want what on my popcorn? What? Butter. You want butter on your popcorn? <laughs> and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, butter. Yeah, that's amazing. That's what I want." <laughs> you really you get that it. Uh, that demanding American customer voice. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I've lived it. I've lived it. Oh, yeah. oh that's so funny. 
<laughs> so we don't want to keep you too too long, but we do probably. No, please, you're from, you're uh, good. I I have another thing at five o'clock, but whatever whatever you want to talk about, I'm here. Awesome, because we want to get some basic basic questions out of here, right? Because yeah. I want to, you know, back to the magician, just some nerdy behind the scenes kind of questions. And it's always the scariest thing when you're about to interview somebody and you ask them if they're a fan of the material, <laughs> and like, thankfully, you are. So if you're comfortable with it, I'm going to ask about four or five rapid fire questions about the magicians itself, just favorites, oh like seasons and episodes, nothing like quizzy or anything like that, <laughs> well, just to see what kind of fan you are and who you really gravitated towards. Mm -hmm. So who is your favorite non-Ember character? Oh, boy. I, I love Margot so much. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. And she's so fun to work with. And Summer is... I just... I, yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would have to say it's... Yeah, I think oh every smile person, on my face. Yeah, every person we've talked <laughs> to has said Summer just came out of her shell after season one because of the, how they wrote her character, and she just uh -huh. owned the role incredibly well. And everybody that's worked with her loves her and says she's just fantastic. Yeah, everyone, everyone on there was so delightful. It's you know. I've had experiences where you turn up on set and again, especially, you know, as a guest star actor, when you just go in for an episode or a couple of episodes, sometimes you have to go into an environment and sort of read the room and the set to see if it's like a serious set or if you go and sit in your chair in the corner and you wait until you're filming. Um, and, and the magician set was always so warm and so welcoming and so friendly and and it, it makes such a difference when when it's that kind of environment love to hear it yeah the best uh to piggyback off that question if you could have played another character besides ember and umber does not count you have to pick <laughs> someone else oh boy oh man i mean i would hate to steal a role from hail yeah. <laughs> but i mean you know there there are roles because that like my brain then splits into like pragmatically like i would love to play that role but i know physically i wouldn't be what would be like right on screen for that role um but sure i'd steal hale's role yeah. <laughs> yeah. elliot elliot is the number two behind mark yeah, yeah. Actually, i could see you as bacchus <laughs> yeah bacchus. oh that would be cool i would like I that another guy i've loved I would have loved to have played Umber as well and had that opportunity to, you know, mm -hmm. do the, the back and forth cool. with myself, which would have been cool. I think I don't I don't know if this is true or if this is hearsay or speculation or things that have come through the pipeline. I feel like I read the when um oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Um Brent Spiner. <laughs> um played data and law in the same episodes i think you have to get double the fee because you're playing oh, wow. two different okay. characters okay. and so like from that point of view i was like that i'll nice. take it <laughs> but also from like an actor point of view it'd be like that'd be fun that'd be nice um but well, i'm sure that the hours would have been horrific yeah. you would have mm. earned that double fee of having to do double prosthetics oh yeah big time yeah. I, there, again, I think there are pictures on Instagram. Um, can't remember which day it was. There was one day that was really, really long, and it might have been, I think, originally the end of season two. All that stuff in the throne room was going to be over two days, and the director was like, "No, let's get it all in one." And it ended up being, I think, six hours in makeup. And then another 13, 14 hours of filming and then two hours to get it off. And my oh, wow. my eyes with the contact lenses were wrecked and my skin was sort of peeling off my face a little bit. I'll see if I can find that 
Facebook wow. personal. There's the time lapse. It exists. <laughs> nice. If you scroll, I don't know if I I'm pretty sure I posted it. I'll see if I can find it for you guys. But there's that is a long there's a day. post somewhere where like I look like Ripley from Alien Three with the bloodshot eyes <laughs> and like oh just looking like I've crashed in a in an EEV. So um what do you do when you're sitting there for six hours? Do you have like an AirPod in or something? No, I mean, um, Sarah and Arlo and Jason were were the folks at Masters FX. And, you know, everyone's there super early, but everyone's in good spirits. And um, we talk, Sarah has cats. And so I'd always ask her about her cats and share stories about my cats. And they, we would take it in turns in terms of what we would play on uh, the speaker system. I'm a... A soundtrack guy so i'd be like play soundtracks mm-hmm. and then uh i feel like sarah would be like let's play some 80s music she's from <laughs> scotland um and then Arlo would play like heavier metal stuff uh that would come in later in the, the process keep you um, awake <laughs> yeah but i love i love that process anyway it's kind of therapeutic in a way like you know just it's it's kind of fun and um normally if you're not in there for too long when they peel it all off it's like getting a facial because it opens up all your pores and stuff so it's kind of nice (laughs) it's a spa day yeah you're in the spa (laughs) so next one i have here is what was your favorite season of the show or a specific favorite episode oh boy you know i always love i always love first episodes i always love pilots because they set the tone and, and get everything going. From like a, an ego-driven point of view, I still feel like my first appearance was most special. Um, they built that throne room and it was it was gorgeous. And that was my first time in Vancouver. And then from another uh, selfish standpoint, that's where I met my boyfriend um, the first time I went up to Vancouver to, to do The Magicians. Um, and he was working on... He's a stuntman and he was working on War for the Planet of the Apes. And, oh, wow. Um, so they, on the soundstage or the soundstage next to it, they were doing War for the Planet of the Apes and there were taco trucks outside. And then we got talking and I'm in Ember Horns <laughs> and he's in sort of post-apocalyptic stuff. And uh, yeah, we met and we went for, for our first date and here we are, the rest six is years history. later. There you go. That's yeah. Great. Um, That's so amazing. that first episode is, is always going to be very special to me that my first jaunt up yeah. uh, that's so, great was that the one with woody harrelson is woody harrelson the main of war of the planet of the apes or is that the one before woody harrelson joins the cat I'm not sure if you know it. it's the third one it's the last one the blu-ray collection it's the it's the third one the third war for third planet of the apes the remake not that's, the 70s right ones. right right wow, that's such a good story i love that meet cute i love love yeah that's <laughs> i know and then the, the the hotel that i was staying at it's called the sutton place and there was a uh a british pub across the street called the winking judge um which is now closed down uh but yeah we went for our first went for our first date at uh at the winking judge love in that. vancouver that's great. Yeah. I do want to say that um, in terms of like your answer where you initially said the pilot of the magicians, I put I'm super biased, of course, because I love this show. I podcast about it. But I think the magicians pilot is one of the best pilots into a fantasy genre on TV in general, especially just 
it, it was just incredible. Like just yeah. how they they brought in the the Voldemort character so early and just mm-hmm. you know destroyed our Dumbledore character being Dean Fogg, and it just showed you just like all of these different power dynamics, the incredible magic system, the most one of in my opinion the most relatable main characters ever in Quentin Coldwater that everybody just gravitates towards. It was just such a that's that's top three of mine. Mm. Yeah, pilots have such a hard job. You know, they they have so much heavy lifting to do in terms of establishing the world, especially when it's a genre show. Mm-hmm. Um, establishing the world and the character and the stakes and what's at stake and getting those relationships out. Um, but a, a good pilot, I mean, still to this day, regardless of what anyone thinks about Lost, mm. the Lost pilot is. Oh my gosh! the The first ten minutes of that show is like, oh, okay, I'm in, I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm into the show. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens, I'm in. We love um, Lost here. We love. Yeah, we Lost. do. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. I love Lost. I, I love Lost. I binged it for the um, first time over COVID, and I'm I absolutely loved it. Yeah. What was your opinion on the ending? I think a lot of people misunderstood it, and it was incredible. And I wasn't <laughs> around when it was when it was live, and it was the yeah. worst talk. But I thought it was amazing. I I love it too. I mean, I, I under, again, my brain splits in two because then, from an analytical point of view, I'm like, wait a minute, what are the answer to these questions? But then, from an emotional point of view, I'm like, ah, oh, everyone's together, and I like this and the music. Um, <laughs> the music, the music, so good. But it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I have that too a little bit, like the analytical side and then the emotional side, but the emotional side always ends up winning out yeah. with like yeah. television Agreed. movies and stuff. It's just, if uh-huh. I feel good at the end, I'm okay with it. Yeah, exactly. Another perfect example of that I heard you mention earlier, you were a fan of Game of Thrones, is that show was like the most important thing to me in my entire life. But once <laughs> it ended, I was like one of the most pissed off people. But at the same time, I when I have conversations, I still say it's a top two show of all time for me. Which oh, kind me of too. Everything. I mean, again... <laughs> to keep her- <laughs> okay. it's um, over there <laughs> I, I have the i have the blu-rays and um i love that show so much and i i hear the criticisms and i hear i hear all of that but it's still such a massive undertaking mm-hmm. and such good storytelling and i yes in my heart of hearts i wish that it had been mm-hmm. 13 episodes longer and it had yeah. really just fleshed out that last season even if they, they could have just done five six episodes more to to get the the turns for those characters to really set up but i you know like again it's such a it was such a formative show for eight years of my life that i was like Mm -hmm. oh my god it's a show um that yeah Yeah. i can't be mad even if i don't love the content fully of season eight yeah you can tell me in a little motion my voice just cracked (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like like the world itself and just like the event that it was is such a testament to it. Yeah, I mean, we did a I I we and Luke made a death pool with our friend Dave. There was like you know twenty some people in it. I spent like hours each week writing really long emails of summer emails, like Easter eggs that people might have missed and songs and uh-huh. all this kind of stuff. And even if the content wasn't amazing, the eighth season for me was still such an event. It's such a big part of my Global. life that yeah it, yeah. I, I, I feel still, like I still liked it. I mean, we literally when a show becomes so big, like Game of Thrones or like Lost, or, or I know Battlestar Galactica had that that same sort of uh, vitriol from some people towards the ending. I feel like there, there's never going to be a way to please everyone. Um, someone's always going to be upset about the way that that something ends, and I I feel like um, 
shows that I love so much, like uh, The X-Files. I feel like when I was younger, if shows sort of fell off the wagon, I'd just be like, ah, it's its way a little bit, but I still love it. But now I feel like, you know, these shows that are so big, there's there's such a an emotional reaction that's like, it turned into the worst thing in the world, and there's so mm. much anger behind it. And then... Mm. I'm I'm very much more of the like okay I see where I went wrong and this is what I would have done and I still we love still it. enjoyed the journey yeah <laughs> yeah exactly people have Lost. way more outlets to complain nowadays and there's yeah. so much mm-hmm. content to to consume that you're right like n- people just talk and talk and complain luckily on this podcast we're here for good vibes <laughs> yeah. yeah we like good vibes here yeah. i like good vibes too <laughs> speaking of we've talked to some uh of the magicians actors and they've kind of had a somewhat of a not a i don't want to say mixed experience with the fans but some um some negative reaction to some things that have happened during the show. And what has your interaction mm. with the magicians fan base been like, if at all? Um, gosh, you know, overall in general, um, interactions with fans have always been really delightful. Mm. Um, I think because Ember is under so many hours of uh, prosthetic work, I meet a lot of people that don't realize Unless I'm talking Unless to them, talking. and then they sort of their head sort of tilts like an Alsatian, and they're like, oh, "Your voice that, sounds so wait, oh, yeah, you're oh. that guy." And yeah. then they then they sort of uh, click in, um, but it's it's really funny because all different kinds of fans react in different ways. I was on a a Disney show for you. And now all those those kids are sort of grown up and are in their twenties, and they're always like, "Wait, oh my gosh, here's Alton Grundy! Oh my gosh, you! I, I watched you all the time when I was a kid." And then the Sunny in Philadelphia fans will be the ones that will be driving past in a car and just be going, "Psycho Pete!" <laughs> um, and so every everyone is so different, but everyone's always been really delightful. I've never never had anything. I think there was one. Oh, I think there, someone tagged me in a magician's post one time that was pretty nasty. Yeah. Sure. They were like, why doesn't Ember wear a bra? He needs a bra. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, it's pretty, that's pretty mean. Cause I'm, I'm pretty sensitive uh, about my body. And uh, I remember seeing that and I was like, Oh, that's, that's not nice. And to tag someone in it uh, felt like, I don't know if you needed to do that. No. One no. negative experience. But the rest has been delightful. Yeah. Well, that's good. That hopefully the rest drowns out that one yeah. outlier, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. So to take it back, I got a couple more of these rapid fires, which are not <laughs> Luke's all business here. Oh my gosh, I've been doing a terrible job <laughs> at no, rapid no. fire. No, we love we say rapid yeah. fire, but we love when it just goes on rants. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh so what was your most memorable scene that you filmed? Um it was nice to do. Oh boy. Let's talk about season two and the wellspring. Um, <laughs> it was nice to do that because I went on location and all of the other Ember scenes were on sound stages. So it was nice to go outside and be uh, in the park and do that scene outside. Um, also, before we did that scene outside, the first time I appeared in season two, they flew me up. And this is why I wish there were extra stuff on Blu-rays. They flew me up. And they did a test where they put me in stilts and they had me walking in stilts. And oh my gosh, guys, <laughs> if this video exists somewhere, I'm six five. I was going to say, what these, are you, eight foot tall at that point? <laughs> oh my gosh. These stilts were so high. 
And they they took me to the park and they laid down these wooden planks, uh, wooden boards for me to walk on. And they had four stuntmen, one behind, two on each side and one in front of me. And I had to lean against a rock while I put these things on and then they had to lift me up. And then I didn't have the staff and they were just like, let's just see if you can walk. <laughs> and this is this is just me without any prosthetics, without the horns, without the contact lenses or anything. And oh my gosh, it must have taken me 35 minutes to walk maybe 20 meters back <laughs> to like the truck where they were like, let's just get to the truck and then we'll, oh my gosh, what a night. That was the end of that experiment yeah. really fast. <laughs> and then we went back to the stilettos. I, I, because I know my boyfriend is a stuntman and um, they, the stunt people took video of it. And I think they sent it, to, but I've been trying to track that video down <laughs> for so long. Oh boy. The, yeah. the things that could have been. Yeah. That's so, so funny. Wait, was your first answer the Wellspring? Uh, same scene? day, right? That's the same day. Same. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, a couple of weeks after I went oh, up to, to do the sort of prosthetic uh, lay, the still test beforehand. Um, but it didn't work out, but that was fun. It was nice to be outdoors. And that was the first time that I had met, uh, Olivia. Um, and yeah, it was just nice to, to go back and, and be outdoors and mm-hmm. filming the and wellspring. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I brought the wellspring is because I was talking to my sister a little bit earlier today and I told her she, she hasn't watched all the magicians, but she's seen about like a season and a half, maybe two seasons of it. And she's like a little bit of a looser fan. She's not cool. Like us. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't know how to you know, deep dive, but I told her, I said, yeah, we're interviewing a magician's actor. He's he plays Amber. And she was thinking for a second. She's like, oh, the one that shits in the wellspring. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. that's the one. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, uh, again, as an actor, when you when you get that kind of material and you're like, oh, man, how do I make this work? Like and, and not sound like goofy that like oh, I pooped in it. Um, <laughs> and it was just fun. And they had this shed and then I had to get in. I think uh if I remember rightly, I didn't get in trouble, but I think some people got upset because um, I the stilettos are really uncomfortable to walk around in, and especially there where the ground was uneven. And I have um, a sort of pair of platform boots for when they're doing close-ups, so I keep the height, but they're like these huge foam like work boots. Um, and I think in a wide shot, they got upset because they could see the foam boots and they were like, ah, mm. oh, now we're going to have to digitally do something about it. And then when I went back uh, in later seasons, they were always like, no, keep the hooves on, just keep the hooves on. Yeah. And they were so uncomfortable. Mm. But that's, you know, yeah. here we are. Here we are. Here you are. You got to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Back. Yeah. <laughs> So I got two more here for you. And this is one I really love to ask because if I, I need you to agree with me here. So oh, no. who was your favorite villain of the series? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, you put so much pressure on. I, I, I know. It's, it is a lot of pressure. Um, what if I was to say Polliver? Wow, that's a unique answer. I don't think we've heard that one yet. I mean, he is. He's the freaking worst. He's, He's a terrible picked, person. So. Yeah. Oliver, uh, Plover. Yeah. 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 You know, because I think, I, for me, you you can have Sir Effingham and you can have all these these creatures and <laughs> fairies and, and whatnot, but when it's something that's so human and so dark, yeah, I think that intrinsically, for me as a viewer, is always more unsettling when it's... Mm-hmm 
something human and real and mm-hmm. grim and dark, as opposed to sort of the, the supernatural elements. Um, I think, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to close this so it doesn't look like I'm staring in the sun. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's an episode of, of the X-Files, and, you know, X-Files deals with aliens and monsters and, and whatnot, and then I think in season two, there's an episode with Donnie Faster, who's is just a serial killer, and he goes after Scully, and, and that was always more unsettling to me, that it was like, oh man, it's this guy who's who's desiccating bodies, and it's it's grim, and it's real, and I think that stuff gets under my skin more. Yeah, I mean, Plover sets in motion the magicians. I mean, the, right. be- the Beast is who Luke is going to say is his favorite yes, villain. Yes, chat one is but, absolutely my But favorite. there is no Beast without Plover. Exactly. Uh, yep. Awful, awful things to him in the first place. So he is the OG villain of the magicians. He sets our story. So that's a great... It's a great answer. But you did get to share some scenes with my favorite villain, Martin Chatwin. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, I just thought he stole every single scene that he was in in the show, besides the ones he was in with Ember. And <laughs> just the way he would sing and, you know, like he had his little dance and just like his bright blue eyes. How was he just... Because when we, we also talked to uh, Megana Tova, who plays Zelda, and her death scene uh-huh. was actually dancing with martin chatwin and i loved like asking her questions about that but how was your experience with him because he is such an important character because you see him in episode one yeah. and he almost kills dean fogg and it just sets the mm-hmm. so high yeah actually i think correct me if i'm wrong i don't think it's him in the first episode i think they had a different actor mm-hmm. and Probably. then they cg'd um the moths, the, the moths and then maybe had him do voiceover. Because I think they shot, I think they shot that first episode in New Orleans as well before they yeah. went up to to Vancouver. But he was really nice. I remember we had a conversation about contact lenses because I know that um, he had some irritation with contact lenses, and I also because they're big, they're like the size of quarters. Um, that they're called lenticular contact lenses, and they're like Ram's eyes, but they're they're big. And um, I could have I could have worn the prosthetics all day and being so happy, but the, the, the contacts of the thing that they just irritated mm-hmm. my eyes. My eyes were like, there's something foreign in my eye, get it out. Um, <laughs> and I think we chatted about that a little bit. Yeah. It was not, you know, everything, everything on that set was so nice. The, the other thing is when you're in such heavy prosthetics, sometimes you don't get a chance to socialize as much as you would like in between takes. And I remember on that day in particular, because it was summer, they had a cooling tent for me because it was hot outside. And so then the latex would start to peel away. And so we would do a take and then they'd be like, get him to the cooling tent. And then you sort of <laughs> sit there on your own while everyone else is, is sort of socializing. I hope they elsewhere. brought you little cakes while you're in there. Right. <laughs> should have done. Um, I did eat little, I did eat little cakes. I think at the end of season two, yeah. Um and I think Josh brought me yeah. there was like a platter. Yeah. And I did I I think I ended up like eating nine or ten <laughs> mini cupcakes on that day. Yeah, and they're actually the like party. dessert. They're they're cupcakes that you're <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, because you it's always fun in games them. when you do that first yeah. one. It's always like, oh cupcake, this would be fun. And then by the time you get to eight or nine, and then people are coming along being like, Are you sure you don't want a spit bucket? And I oh man, I feel so bad. <laughs> for the people who have to come around with spit buckets and I'd be like, no, no, I'll swallow it. <laughs> but then dying inside when you do it. 
that flows pretty good into my last question I have here for you. Um, was there any of the main, we like to say nine characters, but you know, maybe the main seven or eight that are in it through the whole, all five seasons of actors that you didn't have a chance to meet of our main cast here. Hmm. You know, I think I did meet even the people that I didn't meet on screen. I met at the hotel. Like um, there was one night I think it was the second season where um, Hale and Arjun just pulled up to the hotel in a car and they were like, Dominic, come for a meal with us. And then like I, they kidnapped me and took me uh, in their car and we went to a restaurant and uh, chatted for a while. And um, Mackenzie Aston was there as well. So maybe that was season one. Maybe it was season two. I don't remember. But Mackenzie was there too, who was also a delight. And uh, we've stayed in touch afterwards and um Brittany lives down the road from me a couple of miles down the road uh, and so i will text with her from time to time and her partner james um is a big alien fan like i am um i'll spin my laptop around so you can see this there we go. <laughs> gorgeous piece um so we exchange texts about aliens um so i think through and then uh yeah i i meet jade because i know she doesn't go to fillery often uh who plays katie for those listening through table reads and then you know like through twitter and people start sending tweets and then you follow each other and then like people slide into dms and they're like hey you did a great job. oh my gosh your singing voice was so great <laughs> oh that's something I, I wish that i could have been in one of the musical episodes yeah. that would be oh uh, we always favorite. ask about the musical episodes yeah. can you sing that would have been for me cherry on top of a little cake yeah that was good we could do a, an, a, a singing right now we could just have <laughs> yeah. right now. there's nothing to stop me um <laughs> yeah that that would have been my that would have been uh nice and that's yeah. funny because yeah, it, it could have it could have happened easily you could have definitely added an ember to it a singing uh yeah. scene at, so, at some point maybe the trippy one in the desert with, Margo uh, Margo. Been like, yeah i'll just get i'll get yeah. my own green screen and i'll uh i'll just superimpose myself yeah into Why one not? of those musical numbers yes. i mean you already make your own blu-ray cover so <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'll just make my own season six <laughs> yeah oh, we'll, we'll just, podcast we'll on it. It. we'll watch it yeah. ember with a, a repertoire of of songbooks wow, you just play every that. character <laughs> exactly wow love that that's perfect do you want to sing us off as at the end of the pod <laughs> oh my gosh no i won't okay. i won't not on the spot <laughs> all right well i know you have a lot of projects you're working on now do you i you mentioned them in the beginning you want to pitch something what you're working on uh recently? sure i think um i think fantasy island pops up in a couple of weeks time uh and then i just did an apple show in Colombia that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about um, and a voiceover thing that I'm not allowed to talk about and a video <laughs> game that I'm not allowed. A lot of stuff that I'm not allowed to Watch talk about. Watch out for those. Yeah. I'm narrating my first audiobook. This I was going to ask you I, that. Yeah. You have a I'm great terrified. voice for an audiobook. Oh, man. I'm I'm kind of scared about it. I read it, uh, I read it over this weekend. Um, and I just feel like once I'm in a booth and an engineer is looking at me pushing buttons that I'm going to forget how to read. Um, <laughs> but what could go wrong? My thing with audiobooks, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, is I'm like, how are they so confident and so good at knowing what, which cadences to use? And like, they must read this book and take notes. Do you take notes? 
Oh man, I read through it this weekend. I, it took me three days to read through it. And I've got like a list of 35 characters. And then I was, you know, at first, like I'd read it and be like, okay, so I'll do that in a Welsh accent and I'll do that in a Scottish accent. Oh I'll do that in a Cockney accent. And then I was running out and like, there were more characters than I knew accents. And then I was like, <laughs> okay. Uh, so my point of reference for this character is Tyrion Lannister and my point of reference for this character is going to be Gillian Anderson in The Fall and my point of reference for this character and so now I just have a list of not characters that I'm going to copy but I'm going to yeah take reference from that is give a nice little homage little behind the curtain because I mean exactly with, with Kathleen because I've recently in these COVID times basically become addicted to audiobooks. I don't even read physical books anymore. Um, and that's how I did most of Wheel of Time. Uh, me, Jimmy, Luke are currently reading a lot of the Cosmere stuff by Brandon Sanderson. And all of those books are read by Michael Kramer. And uh-huh. Michael Kramer is just an amazing storyteller. It's just every time I listen to the books, it blows me away. It just uh-huh. way that it feels like he puts you in the story, you know, because you can oh, read you like read? a dialogue quote that says something and then said angrily. And uh-huh. you've already read the dialogue, so you didn't read it angrily in your head. But when right. the audiobook reads it angrily, you really feel the emotion. Yeah. So I just love yeah. it so much. Yeah, I feel I feel more at ease with the dialogue than I do with the like long chunks of narration that are like the kitchen was blue. <laughs> the sun was streaming in through the curtains. And I'm like, oh no. As long as I can get through that stuff, then I think I'll be okay. I'm sure you'll be great. Yeah, I think you'll be all right. I, <laughs> yeah. I agree. <laughs> well, thank you so much. For yes, thank you so much. Us. This was incredible. Yeah, Just of course. Hearing your perspective on, of course, we'll talk magicians anytime with anybody. Mm-hmm. So getting to talk with the God of Fillery was just an unbelievable experience. And thank you for everything you did. Yeah, of course. Anytime. And if you want to talk about any sci-fi genre stuff, I'll probably be like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Open invitation. You're always welcome back, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much. Yeah, awesome. quite the pleasure. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much, and good luck with the audiobook coming up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's called the Berlin Plus. It's good. Don't yeah. listen to it; it's bad. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, all the shows we can't know about go well. Yeah. Yes, we'll yeah. watch it in them. And uh, pop quiz oh. before you go, though, because you gotta, oh, no. gotta get Game of Thrones in one more time while I can. Do you know mm-hmm. the only magician actor that was also on Game of Thrones? It's me. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Thanks. Because I'm terrible because I met her in the first table read and I, <laughs> quick side note, um, like when I did Sunny in Philadelphia, I, I geeked out so hard and I stopped being a real human being on set. And so <laughs> then that was like a real, like, be normal when you meet your idols. And so I remember meeting Esme and I was like, oh, yes, I'm familiar with your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was very fan. civil and I, I didn't geek out. And I, inside I was like... <laughs> um, but I was very good, calm and collected. By the way, when you, when you have a second, can you sign this Blu-ray for me? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, have a nice night. Yes. Thank, thank you so, so much. Thank you, thank, you so much. thank you so much, everybody. And boom, that'll about do it for us, guys. Can't thank Dominic enough for jumping on a Zoom with some nerds to talk our favorite show, The Magicians. Really appreciate how genuine and passionate he is about a show that Binge Town cannot get enough of. If you like what you heard, give Benchtown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe and rate wherever you find your podcast. If you're looking for more of the Magician's content, catch up on some of our previous conversations with the Magician's actors 
Olivia Taylor Dudley, McGain Tova, and Rick Worthy. We also covered season five of The Magicians on an episode-by-episode basis if you're looking for a deep dive on the final season. Our Patreon is also now live and absolutely perfect for anyone looking for more Bingetown TV content. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.